Now today we're going to we starting a financial series called Bailout, which is a series just uh, to help us live financially healthy lives. Now we haven't done a, a financial series, I think, in a couple of years now, but there are many people who are in a financial deep dark hole that need some help. They are people that are under desperate need for some help financially. In fact, it's an epidemic in America. Don't you, believe, don't you agree with that? Regardless of how good you are financially, though, none of us are immune. None of us are immune to get into financial trouble, to get under financial strain or stress. Isn't that right? You know what I found? That like you can have all your finances, your budget just, in, just right, and just one decision can send you spiraling off the orbit. Isn't that true? I mean, it doesn't take long. It takes a lot of effort to get on track, but it doesn't take long at all to get off track. Amen? And I believe one of the greatest needs in our society today, like never before, is financial health. We need financial health. And in this series, we're going to talk about how to get and stay uh, out of that financial hole. And we're going to look at some biblical principles that can help you live a very financially healthily, healthy and spiritually strong life. Amen? Because you know what? I believe that, uh, you, know, you know, when you talk about money in church, some people, why do you want to talk about money in church? Because Jesus did. And, and you got you to gotta omit a lot of the Bible if you don't talk about money in church. Is that right? Come on, y'all help me. Is that right? How many of y'all agree? It's okay to talk about money in church. Amen. So I'm convinced that the reason why we need to talk about money in church is because your spiritual life can only get as healthy as your financial health. Your spiritual life can only get as healthy as your financial health. But just the opposite is true. Your financial health can only get as good as your spiritual health. You see, in, in, the, in the secular world, in secular minds thinking, we separate a lot of times money and God. And that's wrong. That's wrong. You can't separate the two. Somebody say, well, I want to serve God, but I don't want anybody to mess with my money. Well, got bad news for you. Jesus is coming after your wallet. Amen? Because, you know, listen, Jesus said, if you really want to grow spiritually, you got to learn how to get a handle on your money stuff. And this is how he said it in Luke chapter 16 and verse 11. This is what he said. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You see, the thing about money is it's the main proponent of trying to keep Jesus out of our life. It's the main proponent of keeping us from trusting the Lord more than anything else. And so we need to deal with it. Financial health and spiritual health go hand in hand. Financial health and spiritual health go hand in hand. Listen, if you want to do better financially, you got to get better spiritually. If you want to do better spiritually, listen, anybody can go to church. I'm talking about intimacy with God, where you hear his voice, where you sense his spirit, where you feel his work in your life, where you can tell he's right there working in your life. If you want God to work in your life in a greater way, you need to deal with your, your money issues. 
Because they're two of, of each side of the coin. You can't separate the two. And so the reason why we want to talk about money is the whole goal of coming to church is to try to grow, to mature, to build ourselves up in the faith so we can be that all God wants us to be. Amen? And the only way to get there is we got to deal with this issue called money. Amen? Now, why are there so many people getting in such huge financial holes and living their lives under tremendous financial stress? You know, it's hard to enjoy your walk with God if you're living under financial stress. It'll snuff out your spiritual life. Isn't that true? Is it quiet in here? I thought so. Okay. Say, where you going, brother? (laughs) You know? And so listen, I think, why, why is it? Why is it so many people are in financial stressful situations? I think primarily because of poor financial management. Poor financial management. Now, you know, listen, recession hit and people's lives got, you know, spiraled financially, right? And so there's circumstances around us that affect us big time financially. But I believe this. I believe if we will learn better financial management, that God will bring us to places we never dreamed we could go financially. Amen? Are y'all with me? If you agree, say amen. Amen. Financial management is necessary to live a financially stress-free life. And you see, the thing about it is, so many people are living under financial stress. You ever been there? How many of you have been there before? Let me see your hands. Don't lie in church this morning. Raise your hand if you've been there. Financial stress has become a national crisis in America. Listen to this. Every day, 1,000 people file for bankruptcy because of poor financial management. 1,000 people a day. Their number one cause of divorce, the ending of marriages, is financial stress Due to poor financial management. The average person by the age of 28 has 66,000 of consumable debt. Like credit card debt, $66,000. We've become a nation that has been enslaved by financial stress, primarily because of poor financial management. Now, what happens when you have poor financial management is, number one, it causes you to live paycheck to paycheck. In fact, 75% of the population today are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, what that means is if they don't get one paycheck, they're already financially in trouble. And if they don't get a few paychecks, they'll lose most of what they, they have. That's what happens with poor financial management. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future... But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So lack of financial management causes you to live paycheck to paycheck where financially your nose is barely above water. You're just right here financially. And brothers and sisters, that's not the way to live your life. That's kind of like floating in the water and you're right here. That's not good. It's better if you're on a platform. How many of you would agree with that? You know, you're in a boat or something like on the bank. And so listen, we don't want to live that way because, man, that causes undue stress on our life. Poor financial management causes us to live under the stress of debt. Debt causes incredible stress. If you spend everything you earn, you will live paycheck to paycheck. 
And if you spend more than you earn, you will constantly live with the stress of debt. See, it's not, it's not bad enough that some people are just living paycheck to paycheck. Some people are living beyond their paycheck, and you call that debt. And so listen, Ecclesiastes 5.11 says this, The more you have, the more you spend. Can I get an amen right there? Right up to the limits of your income. Right up to the limits of your income. So the problem with poor financial management is it causes you not just to spend up to your level of income. Poor financial management causes you to spend beyond your level of income. That's where we get in the problems right there. Amen? Spending past your limit of income, that's what we call debt. And so they say the average person in America spends 136% of their income. So in other words, if they make $1,000, they're spending $1,100, you know, or however the math is on there. They're spending more than a grand. I must have been sleeping that day at school, you know what I mean? But listen, we get into financial stress when we lack financial self-control and our spending goes crazy. Where we just go ahead and buy everything that we see. And so we need, to, we need financial management to keep us out of debt. Number three, poor financial management keeps us from getting ahead financially. Listen what Haggai 1.6 says. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. That's a pretty picture right there, huh? You ever feel like that? That your wages disappear? It's like, man, where my check go? That your pockets have, you put your money in your pockets and you got a hole in them. You go put your hand back in your pocket to get your money and it's gone. And you can't seem like you ever can, you ever can make headway financially. Ever been there? Come on, I've been there. How many of you have been there before? It's like, man, you thought, man, you know, I'm making more money now, but somehow I'm not getting ahead. The main reason for financial lack is poor financial management. Well, there's good news this morning. Amen. There's hope for us financially. Regardless of what mistakes we've made or where we are presently financially, there's good news. You can get out of the hole. Amen. You can do like that frog. Remember we talked about that frog? You can jump on the side of the, of the well and you can crawl on out of that well. Amen. You can get out of that hole. So God can bail you out financially. That's the amazing thing about God is because finances is such a part of our life and it, it, it's how you, we eat, right? I mean, you know, I can't go and, and to sleep and say, I would like to pray for y'all and y'all just erase my electricity bill. They said, no, I want some, I want some money for my electricity bill. Amen. I'd like to go wipe, you know, I'd like to go mop the floors. They say, well, that'd be fine, but give me a check or I'm going to turn your lights off. Amen. We got to have money to live. But you know what? God wants us to live in a way that we'll be blessed. Amen. That we'll be, we'll be excited to be where we are. So listen, Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Good planning and hard work 
lead to prosperity. See, we can live financially stress-free by simply learning some biblical financial management skills. It's right here in the Bible. How many of you know that the Bible is not just written about how to pray? It, it gives you instructions on how to pray. But it gives a lot of instructions about how to manage finances. And you see, if we will take the financial management principles of the Bible and apply them into our life, we will have a supernatural edge on our finances. Amen? Amen? We'll have a supernatural edge. So let's talk about Let's talk about some biblical financial management skills. Number one, good financial managers plan their spending. They plan it. What separates good financial managers from bad financial managers? Well, good financial managers know when, where, and how they will spend their money. But bad financial managers have no plan whatsoever. And because they have no plan, they end up spending their money on anything and everything their little beady eyes see. They just spend, oh, I like that. I think I might have me some of that. And they just spend it. Remember 20, Proverbs 21.5? Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Listen, good planning and hard work is going to cause you to prosper financially. If you take somebody that has a job making X amount of dollars and you don't manage your finances well, you're going to struggle financially. But you, you have that same person making the same amount of money that, lords, that learns to manage and plan their spending. They will get further ahead financially without making any more money. Does this make sense to you today? You see, and some people say, well, if I could get a better job and make more money. Listen, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're wealthy people that live under as much financial stress as somebody that makes $8 an hour. It's not about how much you make, it's how you manage it that really matters. Amen? So listen, if you want to prosper, work hard at financial planning. You know, listen, I remember whenever I was growing up, I had two friends that worked, you know, I'm from Erath, not next door to Delcom, and there's, you know, the shrimping industry there. I had two friends that worked on a shrimp boat, and I don't know if you know any shrimpers, or I don't know how they do now, but whenever I was growing up, those guys would go out, and if they had a good trip, they'd make, no pun intended, a boatload of money. They'd make a boatload of money. They'd come in. And I remember I had two friends that worked on the same boat. And, uh, and they made a boatload of money. And one of, I remember just watching as a young man, just watching these two guys. Because one of them, he, he would get in and man, he would flash his money. Like, you know, of course I was lost then. So he would go to the bar, you know, and he would buy everybody at the bar a drink and he'd pull out his wad of money, you know, and flash it and throw a hundred dollar bill on there. It's on me. You know, and he would just, you know, and he was just flashy with it. And, and, you know, the, you know, the deal was, was that. Then, you know, he, he, we'd go out to eat, he'd buy everybody their meal, and, you know, it's like, I was, I'm going to eat with you, man. You know, you buying the meals. But, you know, he'd just buy anything and everything he wanted. But whenever he got ready to go to work, he was always broke. Sometimes he had to borrow money from somebody to get some, some, some supplies to go on the next trip. But the other guy, 
He wasn't so flashy. And I knew he was making a boatload of money too because I was watching what he was doing with it. Next thing you know, this guy got him a brand new car. He's got some nice threads. Buying a house. Two guys making a boatload of money. One was planning and spending. One wasn't. One was getting way further ahead financially Yet they had the same opportunity and the only difference was the management of what God put in their hands. Now listen, you can learn your own mistakes if you want to, but it's better if you learn mistakes from other people. You know what I mean? You watch them do the wrong thing and say, I ain't doing that. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? And that's why the Bible puts the good, the bad, and the ugly, so you can look at the ugly and say, I ain't doing that. He's given it to us to encourage us to do the right thing. Amen? So if you want to prosper, you have to plan your spending. Now, how do you plan your spending? By creating and living on a, that bad word. It's a bad word, isn't it? By planning and living on a budget. You know what a budget is? It's planned spending. That's what a budget is. So let me just give you a couple of tips to creating a budget. Number one, write out a workable spending plan. Habakkuk 2.2, you remember that verse? It says, the Lord said, record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. You know, if you write it down, do you know where you want to go? And so whenever you formulate in your mind and you understand, okay, listen, I have money in my hand, what I'm going to do with it. If I don't plan it, it's just going to go every which way. But if I plan it, I send it in a direction. And so you write it down. You know, I used to teach in, in, in marriage counseling, you know, that, listen, if you want to, uh, to young couples, listen, what you need to do so you don't get divorced because of your financial management, take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, And put on one side your income, how much money you make. On the other side, put your bills and total that up and find out how much your bills are. And then you're going to know what what kind of picture you have. And so it's so simple. But if you write down your total income and your bills, this will give you a financial picture or vision of where your money should go. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? And so then number two, you prioritize your spending. In other words, you pay what's important first. You know, like rent. Like your house note. You know, it sounds so so elementary. But it's amazing. People will go upgrade their phone. Oh, you've been there? You know, it's amazing. We go to third world countries and they got little grass harbor shacks and they got telephones. Who are you going to call? You know, it's like, but come on. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, listen, I think if we put a, 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 a line of kindergartners right here, we say, now, which what you should do first? Pay your rent or go buy your phone? I think the kindergartners say, pay your rent. But some of us adults, we just hadn't got that yet. Come on, amen? And so listen, you prioritize your spending. In other words, you pay what's important first. 
Like, you know, if you want electricity, go ahead and pay that. Number three, you set goals for how you want to spend what's left. What do you want to pay off? What do you need in the near future? What do you want to buy? You plan your spending, and it controls your spending, and it tells your money where to go instead of your money telling you where you're going to go. Amen? Are y'all with me? If you're with me, say amen. Okay. Number two, or a second skill of good financial managers is good financial managers pay down their debt. They pay down their debt. You see, listen, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know America is in trouble. Why? Because we owe so much. And listen, you know, if I don't pay my house note, the banks come knocking on my door. You see, you're not going to live here anymore. I am. You know, in America, and this ain't a sermon about America, but you know, a lot of the properties in America are owned by other countries. They're owned by people outside the country. Because people in America are in so much debt, they're losing stuff, and people that have money are buying it up. The number one cause of financial stress is being overextended financially. The average American spends 136% of their income. Well, what that translates to is they get in a, in a lot of debt. We're spending more than we're making. And Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Debt leads to mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial slavery. Listen to this quote. Ben Franklin. Ever heard of that guy? Ben Franklin said, When you allow yourself to get into debt, you give another power over your freedom. Isn't it true? You don't pay your bills. They'll be ringing your phone. They'll come to work. So listen, Dave Ramsey, I like Dave Ramsey's, you know, wisdom. And he says this, don't get into debt to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses are broke. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, I've talked to financial planners and they said, Todd, you would be amazed. You would think people that make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, they're in great shape. Said some of those are worse off financially because it's not about how much you make. It's about, about how you manage it. So we need to stay out of debt. Amen. Why? So we don't become a servant. We don't become a slave. So we don't live in emotional and mental and spiritual turmoil. Now let me just give you three tips to getting out of debt. Stop the bleeding. And what I mean by that, in other words, don't charge anymore. You know, I heard that story that, I don't know if it's true, I think it might be true. They said, listen, if you got some credit cards, you need to freeze them. Put them in, your, put them in some water and freeze them. And so whenever you want to buy something, you got to let it fall out before you buy it. And good chance you're going to get over it, you know, before you buy, you buy it, you know. I don't know, but it sounds good. Listen, if you know, so listen, stop the bleeding. Don't spend money that you don't have. Number two, stop using credit cards. Start paying cash for purchases. You know, they say the average American... The average American has 16.7 cards in their wallet or their purse. 
16.7. You know, debit cards, store cards, credit cards. You know, I mean, it's amazing. In one week, you get invitations for about five. Isn't that true? Every day, every week. Hey, we would love for you to have one of our cards. Now, why, listen, why do companies, in fact, you go to purchase something in a mall and they'll say, if you get one of our cards, we'll give you a 10% discount. Now, why would they just automatically give you a 10% discount just for getting their card? They know something about human nature. Human nature is you're going to go back to that store with your card and buy more than 10% that they just gave discounted you. Amen. Come on. Jesus said we got to be wise as serpents. Amen. The reason why they give us more or they want to give us cards is they know we'll spend more. Listen, researchers say you spend an average of a third more when you use credit cards. Isn't it much easier when you pull out that card and you just swipe? I bought that. I I did that. I bought that. And then you get that bill at the end of the month and you go, oh my goodness. Call the church. I need prayer. Would y'all pray for me? The devil is messing me up financially. So it just seems like we just are manager, better managers whenever we use cash instead of credit cards. Amen? So to get out of debt, you stop the bleeding, stop using credit cards because it makes it a lot easier and start using cash. That's what Dave Rams in his class, he talks about, you know, use envelopes for entertainment, for gas, for everything. That way, whenever you, money, whenever you get your money, you take the money, put it where it's supposed to go. And whenever you run out of money, you quit spending. Amen? That's what he teaches in his course. And then the third thing is become aggressive in paying down existing debt. When you owe debt to a credit card company, you are essentially getting up in the morning and going to work for those people. Because you're paying them whatever it is, whatever percentage rate. They give you $100 and you're going to pay them. And they sit at the bank and wait for you to go to work and make Work hard at making your money. And then whenever you get back your check, you go and pay them for just letting you use some money. You see, that helps me. I don't want to go to work for Chase and, and you know, Capital One. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to be able to keep the money I work for. What about you? So finance companies and credit card companies make their living on our lack of ability to control our spending. Are y'all with me out there? Come on, we got to wise up, amen? The church of God should be wiser, better financial managers than anybody on the globe, amen? Because we got discernment, we see stuff. So I want to encourage you, become aggressive in paying down your debt. Whatever debt you have, you know, the one that you're paying the most interest on, Pay that baby down and then get to the next one until you got no more debt. Amen. Then you're in position to move ahead. All right. A third skill for good financial managers is good financial managers save for the future. They save for the future. The number one factor in becoming financially free and living out of the stress is not how much you earn, 
but rather spending less than you earn so that you can start saving. The average, listen, the average Japanese saves 18% of their income. The average American saves 2.2% of their income. So that's why whenever somebody loses some property in the United States, somebody in Japan says, I'll buy that. You ever played Monopoly? Oh, you want to buy, you want to buy that property? Yeah, I got some money to do it right here. Why? Because they save, they do better. And so listen, the average Japanese has money on hand. If opportunities present themselves where the American, they don't have any leverage. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Wise people save. Why is it that 75% of the population live paycheck to paycheck and are financially stressed out? The answer is because most people, because they never develop the discipline of saving. Money Magazine says this, 78% of the population will have a major financial expense within the next 10 years, which they're not prepared to handle. It's true. Things happen, doesn't it? And so why is this such a problem when things happen? It's because sometimes it just takes one major financial setback to send us in orbit financially because we're living our lives right here with no margin financially because we haven't saved anything. Wise financial managers save from the future. I like this verse in Proverbs. How many of you know you can learn from anybody? You can learn something from even people that are making a lot of mistakes. You can even learn from nature. And Proverbs says you can even learn. Listen, listen to this. You can even learn from an ant. An ant. That's what Proverbs says. Listen what it says. Proverbs 6, 6. Take a lesson from the ants. You lazy fellow, learn from their ways and be wise. For though they have no king to make them work, yet they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. This is the initial saving for a rainy day right here. Amen. So he says, even the ant is wise enough to know, listen, when the weather's good and you have the ability to work, go to work. But don't spend everything you earn. Put some aside because whenever, whenever it comes winter and you don't want to go outside and work or it's too rainy to work, you're going to have some money to go buy some food. The ant, Proverbs says, look at the ant. Now think about that. Next time you see a little ant crawling in your yard, crawling across your counter, don't smush him. Just take a moment to think about it and say, Wow. So let's talk about three tips for saving for the future. Start with a small emergency fund. And that's what, you know, again, Dave Ramsey teaches. Somebody said you can go anywhere you desire if you simply go one step at a time. You can go wherever you want. 
Zechariah 4.10 says, Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Don't despise small beginnings. And you know, you know, I've heard people talk about this. It's amazing what happens to you whenever you just got $5 ahead of yourself. It's amazing what happens whenever you get paid and you got at least $5 left in your pocket. There's something emotional that happens. It's an encouragement to you. And so I want to encourage you, if you save a dollar a week, start saving somewhere. Start a small emergency fund. Amen? And then, um, and then number two, save three to six months living expense. Most people would lose everything that they have if they were out of work for six months. And I understand that some people's wage to save three to six months income would be very, very difficult. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You just start somewhere. And so, you know, the, you, whenever you save enough money so that if you, if you don't have income for a while, you won't lose everything. Proverbs thirty twenty four says, There are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. Ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. All summer. The ant is wise enough to save for the future. And that's what we need to be. We need to be wise enough to save for the future. And then save for future purchases, like Christmas gifts. You know, I found out Christmas comes every year. It's like, man, every year it comes around. And every year, it's a problem financially. And so we need to save maintenance expenses, like tires, auto repairs. You know... Save for future expenses or future purchases like a car. Wouldn't it be great to be able to buy a car for cash? Amen. Wouldn't that be great? Dave Ramsey teaches that. But you know, listen, you know, the point of it is that that if we we save for the future, we're going to be much better off spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Because, you know, when, when your tires... When your tires get bald and you got to put them, put some new ones on it, don't blame the devil. Don't get too spiritual on us here. It's wear and tear. It's the law of gravity that works. Amen? When you got 250,000 miles on a car and it dies and it won't live anymore, don't do spiritual warfare. Come on, I'm being facetious, but you understand what I'm saying out there? You understand what I'm saying? It's that, Lord, this, these things happen. And so learning to save for the future keeps financial pressure off of you and keeps you out of a financial hole. Amen? Amen. And finally, good financial managers, they consider eternity. They consider eternity. They don't allow their finances to be the source of their contentment. And see, really, sometimes the root of problems is that, you know, they, they're not happy in who they are, so they got to go buy stuff to make themselves feel good. Are they trying to compare? They're, they're comparing themselves with the Joneses that are broke. And so the Joneses went buy a new car, so they feel like they got to buy a new car. And the whole root of the problem is they're not content in the Lord. 
So good financial managers, they just learn that God is the source of their contentment, not what they have or what they possess. Amen? Listen what 1 Timothy 6, 6 says. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. No U-Hauls tied to hearse. Amen. But if you have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation, in a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and endurance, and gentleness. Come on, that's good preaching right there. Amen, that's good preaching from Timothy. I mean, from Paul right there. Amen. So he said, listen, man, be content with what you got and don't try to buy everything your little beady eyes see. Amen. And then finally, listen, they don't allow their finances to keep them from living and serving Jesus. Listen, good financial... There's some people, they're good financial managers, and they have money. They could choke a mule with all the money they got. But you know what? They have no spiritual substance in their life. They have nothing when it comes to spiritual things. They're just void of spiritual understanding and discernment. And what good is it is if you're so wealthy that you could buy an island, but you don't have no relationship with God? What good is that? See, a wise financial manager, he knows how to deal with his money, but he don't allow his money to get him away from God. He keeps his, his heart right with God. Amen? And Jesus said it like this in Luke 12, 16. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life Easy, retire, eat, drink, and be merry, and travel the world. That's my translation. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night of your life, you will be, you will be demanded, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And he says, listen, this story is to teach us, this is how we would be with anyone who manages finances wonderfully and stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Amen? You get that? So it doesn't matter how good you're doing with your money, honey. If you're not right with God, if you're not living for God, if you're not making your work, your money work in God's kingdom... When you die, your children are going to fight all over it. The government's going to get some of it. Amen? It would be better that you just be a faithful steward with what God gave you, not allow your money to get you away from God, keep God center and first in your life, manage your money properly, 
Use it for the benefit and the blessing of the kingdom of God. And when you close your eyes and you breathe your last and you, and you translate it over to the other side, you will be able to hear those words, Well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Amen. How many of you want to hear that? Amen. Amen. I wanted to sneak up on Brother Todd this morning. He didn't know I was coming up. I didn't know it either. But what what were the qualifications I, I demanded of Todd? To hand over a $5 million building and 20 years of work. And I'm going to hand it over to this young man. What you think I looked at? One was the, the anointing of God on his life. More than we knew. The second thing was how he handled his money. And I was sure what he would do in the church with the money. Because I saw what he did in his personal life with the money. As a young man, he had savings account. He has IRAs. He had uh, money managers. As a young man, had a truck paid for, bought a house. Later he paid for the house and built another one. But we talked about it, him and I. I was even encouraging him to take all of his money and buy a Burger King. <laughs> Getting a fast <laughs> Because he was so good at it. That was before, of course, I knew he was going to take over the church. So that's where he got all his wisdom. I wondered where he got it. I, now I know from the two boys on the boat. Amen. I decided I was going to pay cash for them, them Cajun Reeboks. <clears throat> How many of you received this this morning? Thank you, Brother Francis. Very gracious of you to say that. <clears throat> would, you, would you stand with me? You know, we, we've been doing the Dave Ramsey class for 10 or 11 years now. You know, you can't separate money from your relationship with God. You can't separate your relationship with God from money. Jesus said, how can you be entrusted with the true riches of heaven if you can't be trusted with mammon, with commonwealth, with worldly wealth? The more we are faithful with with money, with wealth, the more God is going to release on us the true riches. How many of you want the true riches? Amen. Amen. So listen, you have the notes there, and I know this is elementary for some of you. But man, wouldn't it be a blessing? Wouldn't it be a blessing for everybody in this auditorium today? To not live under the financial stress. And you know what I found? 
When you make a decision in your heart that I want to do right, God releases heaven's resources on your behalf to help you accomplish that which you want to do when it's the right thing. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? God will work on your behalf. Amen. And you'll be able to put your head on your pillow at night and say, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, bow your head with me today. There might be some of you here today. Maybe you're struggling with your financial management. And and maybe you need some help today. And you just need God to give you the discipline. You need God by His Holy Spirit to help you. If that's you today, why don't you just raise a hand real quick and just acknowledge it. Lord, I'm saying I need help today. Come on, just do that all over this building. Just say, Lord, I need help today. Come on, just, just be honest before the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm struggling with some of these things. Help me, Lord. Help me, God. Come on. It's okay to be honest in church. The Lord knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're dealing with. I pray for those whose hands are lifted right now. Lord, I pray, God, that you have, Lord, amazing grace for them today, that you would give them supernatural strength and power and ability, Lord, to do better with their finances than they've ever done before. May the grace of God be upon them today as they make that decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen, some of you today, maybe you're pretty good with finances, maybe you're not, but you know what? Maybe... Maybe the thing for you is that you're not, you haven't considered eternity with your finances. Maybe today, if, if you, your soul was required of you, it don't matter if you had $10, $1,000, or a million dollars, you would be in trouble because you're not rich towards God. You're not right with God. Come on, everybody else is going to pray right now for you because we know and we understand that it's only by the Spirit of God, it's only by the grace of God that you can come out of that spiritual darkness and get into the marvelous light. Come on, saints of God, pray with me right now and just ask God to release His grace. Would you do that? Just intercede right now. Maybe there's somebody here today that they've been waiting for this moment. They've been needing to make this step. And today, God is going to give them the grace. If you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian, but I want to be saved. I want to be born again. If I die, I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. That's me. I need prayer. If that's you, raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Let's pray together. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Lord Jesus, when I die, I don't want to be separated from you for eternity. I want to go to heaven. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I've sinned against you. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. And I ask you to forgive me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to cleanse my heart. Wash my heart today. And fill me with your power. I want to live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Amen.